Not that we're going to be looking at a lot from this, but kind of continuing what we looked at this morning, John tells us in this passage, don't believe everyone. And there are certain people that we need to flee from. But that doesn't mean that um, because they don't believe what we do, that we must shun anyone that differs from us. Admittedly, John is saying, be very, very careful who you believe. And, and incidentally, let me just say, just because someone was dependable at one time doesn't mean you can believe them now. Um, the only thing we can unequivocally believe is God's Word. And, and so John is writing to address that. But I think sometimes um, we have been careful as believers to um, be careful. No, I'm not going to, that is false, and I am not going to believe that, and I am going to separate from that. And sometimes I think we separate from the very things that are needed for our influence. We are called to be light in darkness. We are called to be salt. We are called to uh, proclaim the gospel. And, and in understanding, there, there are many types of fools. Just take a look around tomorrow, okay? And not tonight, of course, all right? But there are many types of fools, and there are some that are committed fools. I mean, they have been exposed to the truth. They have chosen to reject the truth. Um, and not only... Are they walking in rebellion to the truth? They are actively seeking to influence others to get them to follow their belief. Those would be the false prophets. Those would be the committed fools. Those would be, um, throughout Proverbs, there's five different words used for fools. They would be the scorning and steadfast fools. There are others that are simple fools, um, silly fools. There are essential fools. And it is important that, that we understand, the Lord said, don't cast your pearls before the swine. If, if they have given clear evidence that they are a committed fool and are just there for argumentative purpose. He said, save your breath, and that's what he did in his ministry. But understand also, the, the majority of people that you run into would, would many times fall under the simple fool or the silly fool. And these are the ones that need to be exposed to the truth. A simple fool needs to be exposed to the truth. Now, 
in in First John it says, "They are of the world, therefore they hear the things of the world, but they need to learn to hear the things of the truth, and it is the truth of God's word that is exposed to their heart that is able to penetrate." Hebrews four said, "It's a a." two-edged sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. There is power in the Word of God. And we need to live the truth and speak the truth. And we need to get the truth to these that don't know. You know, it's easy for us that have been Christians for many years to think, well, surely everybody knows. I mean... Good night. We just celebrated Christmas. Don't they know what Christmas is about? They, many, you would be amazed how many people don't understand the true meaning of Christmas. Maybe they get that, okay, Jesus came, but they don't understand the ramifications of that. And, and more and more people in, in our nation and where we live don't really understand the workings of the gospel. They don't understand God's ways. And it is important for us that we bring the truth to them. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. The book of Proverbs was written to give wisdom. And, and in Proverbs chapter 1, you notice verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She utters her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gate. In the city she uttereth her word, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And you scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. But he goes on and says, Because I have called, and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. Because you have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. He says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation and destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Then they'll seek me early, but they shall not find me. Why? For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You'll note many times over in this passage, he said, I brought you reproof, but you turned away from it. I stretched out my hand, but you wouldn't listen to it. I called to you, but they wouldn't listen. But do you understand God pursues each and every one. And he says, then you would none of my counsel. You didn't listen to my reproof. He said, you shall eat the fruit of your own ways. How does God bring reproof? 
How does God call out to people? He has left us here to be the salt. Salt cleanses, salt purifies, salt um, adds flavor. But in order for the salt to have any effect at all, it must come in contact with the meat or the injury or whatever you want it to, to act upon. We cannot influence others without contact. By and large, people without Christ won't be coming to church because they see the church as out of date, irrelevant, and uncaring. So, as God designed it, we have to bring, if you please, the church to them. In other words, we need to display the love of Christ to them. Did did you know that God nowhere tells sinners to go to church? He doesn't tell sinners to go to church. Really, technically speaking, church isn't for sinners. I mean, it's for sinners. We're all sinners. But it's, it's not for the unsaved. He told us to do what? To go and make disciples. And then the purpose of the church is that we are to teach and edify and build up, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever God commanded. So, really, to pray, and I understand, and I don't want to make a bigger deal out of this than it is, but technically to pray for an unsaved person to come to church, I know what we're, we want them to come to Christ, but... We are to take the gospel to them. We need to be in contact with them. Do you understand the average person um, has no desire to come to church? The average person is intimidated about church. Um, How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you did not grow up going to church? How many of you did not grow up going to church? Okay, Um, most people that did not grow up with exposure to church really find it intimidating to go to church because a number of reasons. They have no idea what goes on in here. The the average person thinks Baptists are going to grab you and dunk you underwater. I'm serious. I mean... they have no idea. They're, they're intimidated. Am I going to stand up at the wrong time? Am I going to... Are they going to... They all... Most people think that um, they're going to be pressured for money. Um, really, they are very, very intimidated. I've visited with people that have come to know Christ and they said, you know, I knew that I 
I knew I needed to come to Christ, but this whole church thing... Well, you know what? God intended us to come in contact with them and to bring the gospel to them. And thankfully, people don't have to be in church to be saved. He intended us to take the gospel to them to help them come to know Christ and then say, you know, to really grow in the Lord, you want to you wanna be in fellowship with other believers, and this is where we need to, to be. And this is where it comes. We need to come in contact with people in our workplace, in our natural relationships, in our interaction with other parents of your kids and various sports teams or endeavors on how you interact with the sales clerk. Um, and someone even suggested even how you drive, okay? But there is a mindset that can creep in among Christians that is sometimes based in 1 John chapter 4 that we need to insulate ourselves from... Not only false teachers, but from sinners. So we don't get polluted by their sin. But again, 1 John 4 says, We are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So we should be overcomers so that they aren't influencing us as much as we are influencing them. Now, there is there is a measure of of um, caution here that we need to be careful that we aren't the influence e, but that we are the influencer. The Bible does say bad company corrupts good character, but God designed us to be of such good character that when we are around those that don't know the Lord, rather than them influencing us, our life would make a difference in their life. We are called to be separate from the world, not allowing us it to tear down our love and allegiance to Christ, but we are called to be in the world, not of the world. That doesn't mean that we have this, this bubble around us that we, we never touch. Um, I don't mean physically touch, but we never really have any dealings with, um, with people of the world other than the basic necessary, necessities to conduct life. It doesn't mean that we shun people who aren't believers D.L. Moody, when asked about that, said, No, a thousand times no. Committed fools that are false prophets. Okay. Speak the truth to them and leave it at that. But we are to go into the world. Do you understand? If we are a genuine follower of Christ... Um, Somebody came to me after the service today and said they had a new term. It's called a crino. You know what a rhino is, don't you? 
I don't mean a R-H-I-N-O, a rhino. A crino is a Christian in name only, okay? That, it's kind of a, what's the word that, um, words that, the way the word sounds, it kind of identifies the meaning. What's that called? You English buffs, what? No. Or something like that. I knew it was some crazy word. That doesn't sound... The word they use to describe that doesn't sound... What is it again? Onomatopoeia. That sounds like something totally different to me than that. I'll tell you that, okay? But crino, I think that's an excellent word because... Most Christians that are in name only go around crying about various things, okay? Crino, that may be a term. But if you are a genuine follower of Christ, do you understand? You don't really need to worry too often about separating from people because people that are committed in their sin will separate from you. And I think we go out of our way sometimes, and because of that, we're, we're not an influence. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. We sang tonight, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. I mean... I, I challenge you as you'll be reading through the Gospels, if you're on the Bible reading program, to, to look at Jesus' life and ministry. He was, he was no friend of what was then the, the religious circles, but he was a friend of sinners. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And... Jesus called Matthew, known as a sinner, but it says in verse 10, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Okay, so get the picture. Jesus is sitting in this house, um, ready to eat. And many publicans, which were known as, as vile people and sinners, many came and sat down with him and his disciples. And, of course, the Pharisees, when they saw this, said, Why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? So here's the question. He should be separated from them. Why is he doing that? And Jesus heard that and he said, Those that are healthy don't need a physician, but those that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, he said. He said, I did not come to call the righteous but I came to call sinners to repentance. Jesus is a friend of sinners. They, they, were, they felt welcome around Him. Turn to Luke chapter 15. Anybody remember anything? Does Luke 15 ring a bell with you? 
Luke 15. Look at your chapter headings. What's in Luke 15? The prodigal son account is in Luke 15. And the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, it's all lost, lost, lost. Notice Luke 15 and verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And that is then what prompted Jesus to teach about the lost coin, the lost son, and the lost sheep. He said, you come to seek the lost. And in this, in this uh, book of Luke, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But do you understand? They, they welcomed. They felt welcome around Him. Many of them came to hear Him. Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. When Jesus saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion. Jesus calls all and He seeks to influence all, whether it was... Um, we, we can't comprehend the... Maybe you're starting to, but we can't comprehend the gravity of the vileness of the tax collectors in that day. But He welcomed and called the tax collectors and the rough, gruff, hard fishermen and the prostitutes. He was a friend of sinners. It didn't mean He approved their wrong, but he came to minister to them. And, and we're left here to be His representatives. Matthew chapter 11, we often quote this, but it says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is the greatest burden that a man can have or a woman can have today? It's the burden of sin. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, how can we get that message to people if we don't come in contact with them? If we don't allow our lives to influence them? You look at Christ. He was willing to die for the sinner's adultery. He was willing to die for our lies. He was willing to die and bear our curses against His name. He was willing to die for our iniquities. He was willing to die for our foul thoughts and deeds and words that come out of our wicked heart. He was willing to die for every sin that has ever been committed. You remember when they brought the woman to Jesus, taken in adultery, and Jesus said to the woman at the end of the account, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Why, why was Jesus a friend of sinners? Because He had the cure for sin. 
I mean, if someone today, if, if someone in a medical lab today found a cure for cancer and, and they continued to have studies at their lab, yes, indeed, this does work. But they never took it out to help the people that had cancer. We would say that is criminal. And many times as believers, we look down our noses at people and think, how can they do that? How can they do anything but that? They don't know any different. And we need to come in contact with them. We need to flee false teachers, but we need to be friendly and befriend and win those who are lost. Think about it. Can anyone who is not yet a believer in Jesus point to you as someone who genuinely cares for them? Can anyone tonight who is not a believer point to you as one who genuinely cares for them. You know why they were drawn to Jesus? Because they knew He really cared for them. As we said, it it isn't that you approve the sin. We can't care for people unless we are a friend of them. On one hand, we flee from false teachers. But in fleeing from sin, it does not mean we flee from the sinner. And one of the reasons the salt has always remained in the salt shaker and we're not getting out and touching lives, and think about it. God, who will You lead me to this week that I can begin caring for? Who do you want me to bring the gospel and plant a seed and plant a seed and take the time to develop as God gives you the opportunity to develop a heart that they know that you really care for them? You know, that's, that's what we, we ought to be praying. God, use my life in someone else's life. Think about it. God, help me to get victory over my anger. Okay? After you get victory over your anger, then what? Why is it important to get victory over anger? So that you can go and when there's an angry situation, you do not blow up, you're not angry, and you show a difference, and you can help other angry people to say, you know what, I, I was exactly like that, only worse. But something came into my life that changed me. Why why do we want to have the fruit of the Spirit if it's not to make a difference? The Christian life is all about influence. It's not so we can stand up people and say, Look at us. We're good Christians. Look at here. We're here every Sunday night. We're good Christians. No, it's, it's to get us built up so we can go out there and that we'll more properly touch people's lives and they'll see Christ in us.
It's a penetrating thought and question. Can anyone who is not a believer in Jesus point to you as someone who genuinely cares for them? You know, the problem is not finding a believer to care about. An unbeliever, I mean. The problem is not finding an unbeliever. The world's full of them. The problem is us dying to self enough to care for others. Flee the false teachers. But Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Do they know that we really care? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would burden our hearts with what burdens your heart. And truly what burdens your heart is every person that does not know you. Because you came to seek and to save the lost. Lord, you said that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, it's not in us to convince people. It's not in us we understand that we can't change people's hearts. But Lord, in your grace and power, would you help us to have the power of you and the compassion of you and the truth of you that you could work through us to point others to you, to bring others to you, that we would plant and water, and Lord, that there would be truly individuals that would know you care for them because they know we care for them. Lord, I thank you tonight that you are a friend of sinners, that you are a friend of us. Lord, may we be a friend of sinners. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.